You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Curable Beef Jerky wants to thank everyone for the overwhelming response to our favorite bag of beef jerky, Huck and Fock. Have you tried it? Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com and you'll see cherry smoked chipotle, cranberry smokehouse turkey, aloha pineapple, and yes, our favorite, and And giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's great to be here with all of you. Um, It's hard to believe we're well into February. A quick reminder to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women who bring news from their industries and inspiration for our listeners. And we continue to be so grateful for their corporate partnerships. If you're listening and you're interested in being a part of our watch team, feel free to visit our website and download the partner page at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T, to learn more. And be sure as well to download the podcast and sign up for our newsletter to never miss a show. So now I am very honored and thrilled to welcome to the show Jennifer Ernst. Jennifer is co-founder and CEO of Tivic Health. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. It's great to have you from sunny California, just so our listeners know where, where you're calling from. Yes, I'm actually in the Bay Area here in California, and a beautiful sunny day outside despite the weather reports. I know. Just we can't. I don't know that we can really um, trust the reports much anymore. But you wake up and you see what's going to happen. Um, so I, uh, I wanted to start off the show talking about your dad for a minute and and how he fostered your curiosity about science and math. Talk about your relationship with him. Uh, so I was actually a late life baby, which meant I had siblings who were thirteen, seventeen, and eighteen years older. Um, It's an interesting phenomenon because it makes you kind of an only child, except that your parents have the experience of having already raised three kids. 
Um, so as a late life, as the late life baby in the family, it meant that I got the opportunity to travel with the family. You know, my parents were well established. Um, it also meant, you know, my dad was far enough along in his career that he wasn't worried, were so worried about himself or his office. Um, so my mother was a stay at home mom. But uh, when it came to all things science and math and in the school, um, I had a really early love of, of science, of math, of um, the study, this, the areas that weren't necessarily at the time considered the girls' studies. Right. Um, but I never knew that. <laughs> I never knew that. Uh, so I, I have this example from my, um, you know, we were in kindergarten, uh, kindergarten, maybe before, and learning about numbers and learning about what happens when you subtract numbers. And I asked a simple question like, well, what happens when the first number is smaller than the second number? Because if it's bigger, then you get this number. But what happens if it's not? And I got a, we got all into a lesson about negative numbers and how negative numbers are used in various types of algebra and geometry. So by the time I was five years old, he was teaching me algebra and teaching me different types wow. of math, type wow. of math concepts. Um, I do remember being a little bit precocious at school when, you know, I wasn't supposed to be knowing about negative numbers at that point until fourth grade. So <laughs> <laughs> were you helping the teachers? <laughs> Sorry, I, I was thrilled um, to actually have that cultivated because, you know, years later, as I began to develop, I would love the biology. I loved geometry became my favorite subject in school. Uh, I didn't actually end up being in a science technology, science profession per se, um, but I ended up working in professions along the way where I was working alongside scientists, where my math skills have certainly become a, a part of the equation. Mm. Did, would you say that, so from the very beginning, you understood, especially if you were asking that question, you know, I, I was, remember myself and how math and science, anything with numbers went way over my head. I really was, you know, more about language and words. And do you think it was innate in you that you just had that strong part of the brain? It was innate, definitely. I mean, there was there was a. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know I had it until you know years later. You get into you know you're into high school and everybody looks at you and goes, "Oh, they're so smart." And that's not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> By the time you hit hit high school, um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, for girls because interesting point. Yes, yes, true. Um, however, I was a very popular lab partner by high school, so <laughs> it had it had those pluses. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that side did come very very easily, but I think more than just that it that it came easily, it was an innate curiosity. So anytime I was curious about anything, um, it was definitely something that my parents, and particularly my father, fostered. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think that it's I think it's special when it when it comes from the father, the dad, that telling his daughter that she really can pursue um, any area of study. Um, I also read that you said you discovered the creative arts in high school, and that that kind of is a different way of looking at things. In what way? Um, I did. So grow so growing up, like we said, science and math was pretty much my bailiwick. Um, father was in. Uh, engineering sciences. So that was what I assumed I'd go into. Uh, there were actually lawyers and doctors in the family. But in high school, I ended up volunteering for a group where we were doing a video broadcast working at the cable station. And it was the strangest phenomenon to me because, you know, here we walk in with the cable station. I'm just volunteering to help out some friends. But I walked up and I'm looking through the lens of the camera. And the world just suddenly was so different. And the way you could focus attention and change perspective. 
And then, heaven forbid, I learned how to edit video, which was another. <laughs> now, now you're talking not only you know the the art of the camera and the fact that when you're looking through the lens of the camera, perspective changes. You actually see the world physically in a different way, and that woke up a whole different part of the brain. And it woke up both the you know, the creative interest and the creative intrigue around how different people saw the world. Um, Around that time when I was learning, you know, this video art, I also was introduced to somebody who he was describing how, how different people see the world. And he said, you know, imagine you're walking into a classroom and there's a there's a like a ball sitting on a on a pedestal right in the door. So now some of you will just walk around it and be irritated because there's a pedestal there's a ball on a pedestal in a door. And some of you will walk around it and stop and look at it and be fascinated by it and look at the light and look at the shadows and notice the texture and wonder why the base is there and think about and then start to contemplate the question why is there a ball in the door and why is it here and not against the window and kind of went on and on with that kind of um and again it was just uh an opportunity the experience that opened up a whole different way of looking at the world um, so I'm actually going to fast forward from that experience to talk about another really formative presentation I heard at one point I ended up spending a lot of my career in innovation, um, ended up going into a research laboratory where I was working in the communication arts next to scientists. So you'll start to see that theme emerge. Uh, mm -hmm. And I got to hear this presentation from a, he was more than even a city planner, it was sort of a district, large scale, large area planner. The kind of person that says, yeah, well, in Chicago, they changed the flow of the rivers. So he was talking about an area that they were doing the planning and he was talking about where they were going to reroute the rivers, how they were going to pick up buildings, where they were moving different developments in different neighborhoods, how they were rerouting the freeways. And I, I thought about, it just gave me again, that concept of perspective of if you are right, if you're the city planner, if you have the ability to pick up buildings and move them, you have a very different perspective on what is fixed in the landscape than if you're the person sitting there in the car having to tough it out during commute hours. And that, yes. that variability in perspective about what is fixed and what is mutable carried through very much into other parts of my career. Mm, really interesting. That really helped, you know, because you're, you're, Professional journey is is interesting in how you know where you started and where you are today. Um, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Jennifer Ernst, the CEO and co-founder of Tivic Health. Um, I wanted to share this quote: In college, I waited tables, and it was the best training I've ever had for business in the business world. I should say. How so? You have to think on your feet so fast, and you have to be monitoring everything. So when I was waiting tables, it was a high-paced restaurant, fine dining with a lot of lot of traffic. So that meant keeping an eye on keeping an eye on every table, everything that's happening in every corner of the restaurant, in your stations, in other people's. You know, know what's going on around you. Um, being able to make real-time decisions incredibly quickly, uh, being able to make adjustments, being able to, if something isn't coming out of the kitchen on time, you've got to figure out how to address that particular problem. I mean, that sounds like a supply chain problem to me. <laughs> it's, you know, how are you going to make the customer happy and how are you going to going to make it right? Um, so you had it was some of the best training I had for thinking on my feet and being able to make real time assessments, adjustments and be fluid with the situation so that by the end of the night, 
everything came out the way it was supposed to. You know what's so interesting listening to you describe that? I'm thinking about the people and you're thinking systems and processes and strategy and how it's all going to come together. And uh, that says a lot about, you know, the way your brain works and where your <laughs> interests are. They, they all come together. When it works well, everything works together and it's still in service of the people. <laughs> Yeah, very, very nice. We're going to go into our first break. Stay with us for our watch team, our sports watch with Jen Welter, and we'll be back with Jennifer Ernst. Women to watch. Sports watch. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Jen Welter, and you are listening to Sports Watch. Losing is a part of life, and it is hard for all of us to get over it, right? Like, Nobody wants to say, you know what, I'm going to go in this today. I'm going to take the L, right? Like, I am going to not give my best effort, and I really hope that I lose, right? Nobody does that. And there's a reason why, because we want to, we, we are taught, we are trained to go for the goal, to win, to be that person who sets the example. And yet, when we talk about mental toughness, mental toughness, is actually the ability to be present, to focus on what's in your control, and to move on to the next decision, not focusing on the past. How many plays as an athlete, for example, do you lose to a bad play or a bad call, right? We're all going to have, we're, we're going to miss tackle, for example, right? Like, I'm a linebacker. I'm supposed to tackle people. There are going to be times when I miss that tackle. However, do I miss the next three plays because I missed that tackle or do I come back and make the next play? So it's about focus forward, focus present. And what do I need to do right now in this play on this day to win? And that may have been, you know, uh, a result of not winning the last day. If we're so focused in the past, it's really hard to be present, right? You can't do both. We cannot live in our rear view mirror. So what did you take? from what took you down and how are you going to take that into the next play that you make so that your likelihood of a win is a lot greater because you took an L. Follow me and all my adventures or you say misadventures on Welter47 on Instagram or at jwelter47 on Twitter. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined this evening by Jennifer Ernst, the co-founder and CEO of Tivic Health, which, by the way, is a bioelectronical or bioelectric um, medicine company. I mean, I'm, I'm going to let you talk more intelligently about exactly what it is, but um, we're still going to talk a little bit about you know about you and um, you've described yourself as an ultra cons uh, introvert rather ultra introvert perhaps more so when you were young and it made me think about you know what there's a lot of good leaders that are introverts what do you think as one you know self prescribed what do you think it is about you that it has allowed you hmm. to to be effective uh, at, at one level I thought it was something to be overcome. Um, but it, it is, you have to put the perspective about what does it mean to be introverted versus extroverted. Um, it has more to do with where you draw your energy from. So um, early I was, I was sharing, you know, I had, I had three siblings a lot older than I am. I had, you know, it was a late life baby at the 
the parents, but also means you spend a lot of time listening. You know, you're the little kid in the corner a lot. Uh, so <laughs> Just be quiet over there and listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're playing with your toys while the, while the adults are talking, right? Yeah. Um, so it also meant that I had a lot of, you know, I spent a lot of time listening and learning and, and absorbing other people and absorbing dynamics and watching and seeing how how people interacted. Um, even if I wasn't part of the equation, it's a it's a really unusual opportunity to be a fly on the wall in many of those situations. I think my professional career actually took me through a number of those as well. Um, I started my career in video production and was the person behind the video camera and then went into video editing, um, took that as a professional turn. In both of those situations, you're watching, right? I mean, you're, you're watching, you're observing, you're catching those moments, you're looking for the little nuances or the, the hint of something you can pick up, particularly when you're doing real-time television or real-time um, you have to you have to rely on what's happening in the moment to create the story that you need to create out of your video. So all of that sort of listening and learning piece, I think, became a part of the toolkit I bring to I bring to the equation as a leader, is um, perhaps being a little bit more of a a little more of a listener than people are necessarily expecting. Um, my words are more purposeful. Mm -hmm. uh, try trying to make sure that when I'm when I'm focused on something that people know why I'm focused on that, as opposed to focused on the 17 other things we could be focused on in the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that the introverted quality was funny because when I went, I ended up going into marketing communications, um, studied video broadcast as my background, went into working at a research center where lo and behold, there are very a lot of very introverted people in advanced sciences. So, I ended up being the person that was presenting the research center to every visitor that ever came through. Uh, so just by sheer force of training, a force of the job that I was doing, I had to be the person that was out there, that was the face of the company, that was always on the front line. And we did one of these uh, profile Myers-Briggs things where you, and everybody lined up along their line and you, was, you know, whatever your score was, line up along your introverted line. <laughs> and I lined up at the very end, according to my score, and the guy standing next to me who, um, you know, people really knew, like he did not talk to anyone anytime, looked at me and said, you're on the wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> and we looked at, I looked at this course, I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> No, no, that's what my number says. And I told you I love numbers. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's what my number says. <laughs> right. At, I'm on this end of the spectrum. I'm more of an introvert than you are. Uh, but, you know, again, that concept of introversion comes from um, more where do you draw your energy from, which means I need to be, it's something I need to be cognizant of. You know, I'm not the person, I, I don't love being the one that's out talking to the 5,000 people spotlight, although it is awfully fun when you get to do it. Um, it, the energy, that's more a use of my energy and the place where I draw my energy from is when I'm in my closer collaborations, working with my colleagues and able to get those really, you know, intense dialogues going where we're problem solving and working together um, and building, you know, building what, building something bigger than ourselves. Mm. That's really, um, I so much agree with your, your point about listening and gosh, you know, in today's world, I think there's, there's way too much talking and not enough listening, you know? Um, tell me, tell me how your faith has influenced your life and the choices that you've made. 
Um, so I grew up in a super strong Christian household, um, in a very liberal Christian household. So one of my one of my frustrations when we use the term Christian these days is it's come to mean like this insanely conservative anti. Um, you know, my brother my brother is gay. My family is very liberal in their belief systems. Um, help the you know help the your job is <clears throat> excuse me. Yep. Your job is to help people, is to attend to people, and humility is actually a pretty strong value. So, you know, putting the ego aside and attending to the needs of others. That definitely certainly came comes through in having chosen a career where we are recognizing that business is often in service of community, and business is, in, business is an entity or a force for creating jobs, for being able to enable people to fulfill their dreams, uh, working in a health related company where we're about um, empowering people with solutions that the healthcare systems may not automatically provide to them and that they may not even know about. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that has certainly come through at some level in how how faith has manifested itself. Mm. Um, listen, we're going to go into our next break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about, you know, how, how Tivic Health came to be and a little bit about your co-founder, your partner. Stay with us for our Military Watch with Carol Eggert, and we'll be back with Jennifer Ernst, CEO of Tivic Health. Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch. Engineer, scientist, fighter pilot, astronaut, and Philadelphian. Those titles are held by Colonel Guyon Bluford, the first African-American to go to space. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. As we continue to celebrate Black History Month, I'd like to tell you more about this hometown hero. Colonel Bluford was born in Philadelphia and graduated at Overbrook High School before earning his Bachelor of Science degree in Aerospace Engineering from Penn State in 1964. His mother, a Philadelphia public school teacher and father, a mechanical engineer, encouraged education, his love of engineering, and that someone's limits exist only in their mind. Colonel Bluford went on to become an Air Force fighter pilot and flew over 140 combat missions during the Vietnam War. In 1974, Colonel Bluford earned his PhD in aerospace engineering and was selected to become a NASA astronaut in 1978. Riding a high-speed elevator through a bonfire is how he described it. Colonel Bluford logged 688 hours in space on four separate missions throughout his 15-year career with NASA. After such... You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply tremendous service to our country's defense and our world's exploration, Colonel Bluford went on to great success in the private sector. Not even gravity kept this amazing Philadelphian from reaching the stars. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking to Jennifer Ernst, the co-founder and CEO of Tivic Health. And um, in, in reading about your background, Jennifer, um, I read that your career in technology actually began, and we talked a little bit about it in the first half of the show, in communications and business development um, at Xerox. And I wonder, when you think about those years, what did that experience um, teach you that has helped you with a startup, I mean, you know, we'll talk about starting a new company, which is a big, scary, courageous thing to do. Um, what do you think it was you took from the years at, at Xerox that that was kind of eye-opening? So the part of Xerox I was in that was Xerox Park. It's one of the advanced research labs of Xerox and known for having invented much of modern computing. Um, so I had an opportunity to work with really leading edge scientists who were doing things that from a technology standpoint had the opportunity to transform the world. Humbling in retrospect. Um, it was a very interesting environment though because first of all, there were no egos. I mean, people check their egos at the door. You really don't survive long at park if you have, uh, if you need to build kingdoms. It's an extremely collaborative environment. Um, so that that experience of working in an environment where um, everybody has a voice and you may not always agree with them, but there's sort of a cultural standard that a great argument is one in which I I can represent your opinion to your satisfaction at the end of it. And that doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but it means we've worked really hard to understand each other's perspectives. Um, so there are definitely a lot of formative cultural things that came out of my experiences working in the research lab. And also it just nurtured and continued to nurture my interest in, in science. What it also did though, is I was realizing that, that the best science doesn't always happen with people who know how to communicate its importance or its value. So it cultivated very much a deep understanding of science. My career has been marked in some ways by translating science into things that everybody else can care about, whether that means um, translating it in a way that is how would I build a product with it, which was my early days at Park, to what I'm doing now, taking very advanced neuroscience and turning it into product, the first product of our company for sinus pain and congestion. Uh, for other pro other down the road products, we've, uh, we are starting to work in the migraine field as well. Taking advanced neurosciences and move them into products and into things that will matter in people's lives. So it really has been a steady, my career has been defined both by being able to translate science to something mere mortals care about and being able to build the, the teams and the, the entities around 
being able to build the teams to do that translation and to and to turn it into something that matters in the world. Mm. So meeting and and bringing together the right people is so important. And you co-founded Tific Health in 2016 um, with biomedical engineer and inventor John Claude. How did you meet? And um, what have you learned from him? Funny, you know, the meeting the meeting part of it was the funniest thing. Um, I had reached out to the landlord of my old building. Um, I was with a company that I had been very excited about when I joined, but as the company was, we'd grown it uh, to about a half billion market cap. Great experience, but the company was headquartered in Norway. And quite honestly, had had the CEO gone somewhere, I pro probably wasn't moving to Norway. So <laughs> I was starting to look around to think about, okay, I've had this incredible training having grown a public company uh, a company on the public market. So basically taking a startup and growing it in a public space. Guess what I'm doing now? Um, <laughs> to, having done that, I wanted to put that training to work. And so I started reaching out inside of Silicon Valley to try to connect to people and find the opportunities that seemed like they would really, really fit. And it was through, it was through a connection through an old landlord from another building that I'd been in, um, met, <laughs> just met a friend of a friend of a friend kind of situation. Turned out John and I actually had a few friends in common. And at the same time that I was looking for something that I could really sink my teeth into, he had this very odd invention that he had worked on with a doctor, but had kind of gone dormant and didn't know what to do with it. So his, his wife, the ironic thing is his wife was actually the one that screened me for working with him. The very mm -hmm. first time I met, I met the couple, um, his wife came into the coffee shop first to make sure I was okay. <laughs> I was an okay person for her husband to work with. Uh, and then I was allowed to meet John. Uh, so, so, uh, John and I turned out to be a very complimentary startup team. Uh, he knows how to build the design history files, the FDA part of the process. You know, if you think of, think of one person who's building the engineering, the prototypes, and the design history files, and my experience had been in building companies, building teams, building markets. So, Two of us, very complimentary, very complimentary starting point. Um, I am still looking to learn how to sail from him. That is something he has not yet taught me that I got to get on his case to say that's what he's supposed to be yeah. teaching me. Um, but, you know, together we also navigated, uh, I, this was my first medical device, so there was something uh, he brought to the equation. Um, and again, another person who just has very little ego invested. Mm -hmm. So, you know, knowing that what the company would, would, where he would need to be as a startup engineer, where his real strength was, um, and having the latitude with somebody who'd been there, been through the process 30 or 40 years worth of building companies with other people, being able to build, um, build the, build the entity, not just for the purposes of the technology, but also for the purposes of the customer and to build it, build it in a way that we can really serve the customer and serve the market. Yeah. Um, we're going to go into our last break. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the skepticism in the field. If you were skeptical when, you, you know, you first started to learn about um, these types of products and really why they're so much on the cutting edge right now and where they're headed. Stay with us for our uh, marketing watch with Diana Barnes from Munchkin and our health watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. And we will be back with Jennifer Ernst. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. How to get buy-in and launch your creative ideas. 
Hi there, my name is Diana Barnes, or DB as most people call me, and I'm the Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director at Munchkin, the world's most loved baby lifestyle brand. Today I want to talk to you about how to get your leadership team to buy into your creative ideas. Brand building is essential to creating a business that stands the test of time. It's also one of the hardest aspects of business to measure and quantify. So how do you convince your leadership team to greenlight a project or a campaign that doesn't directly drive sales? Here are my three tips. First, think like your CEO. Imagine you're the CEO of your company. Ask yourself how your project supports the business. Your answer does not need to be tied to sales to be important. Does your request help position the company as a leader in its industry? Maybe it improves customer experience or boosts brand loyalty. Each of these contributes to the success of a business. Number two, timing is everything. Does your project require $50,000 that isn't in your budget? Part of creating a successful pitch is developing a successful plan and that includes budgeting. If your idea is costly, find out when your company begins budget planning and arrange to make your pitch during the beginning of the process. And last, be flexible. My experience dealing with nuns and rock stars well prepared me for working with CEOs. My best advice is to know your facts, especially the math. Have the answers and expect the unexpected. Think about what in your plan can change to meet the requests of your leadership team without sacrificing your goal. Be flexible and be willing to work with your boss to give them skin in the game and a stake in your idea. I use these three tactics to get buy-in from my colleagues on Munchkin's executive team and our board of directors to launch Stroller Coaster, a parenting podcast. We've become trailblazers within our category, and the show was ranked among the top 2% of shows within Apple Podcast Kids and Parenting category in our debut season. You can listen to it at strollercoaster.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. See you next time. Bullying is just something that's on every parent's mind. Couldn't be more true. I feel it. Parents are not meant to be their child's best friend, at least not in the younger years. Oh my goodness. I want to jump through this microphone and give you a hug. Humans have been parents. Guess what? Since the species developed, you're doing a good job. It's going to be fine. Hey parents, it's here. Season two of Stroller Coaster, the podcast for parents of kids of all ages brought to you by Munchkin. This season, we've got even more great content for you. Plus, you've got me, your new host, Lynn Smith. I've been a news anchor for CNN, NBC, a producer for the Today Show. And all along the way, I got to interview some amazing people and do some exciting things like fly a plane. That was fun. And as a journalist and a mom of two young boys, I am thrilled to be here at Stroller Coaster. I get to share my parenting journey with you, plus interview experts who have information parents like us really need. Share some inspiring stories from real parents around the world. Talk to a surprise celebrity guest or two. And let's just have some fun. So don't miss out. Join me, Lynn Smith, for a smart, inspiring, fun season of Stroller Coaster, the parenting podcast brought to you by Munchkin, the most loved baby brand in the world. Subscribe now. Now, the women to watch Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Recently on Your Radio Doctor, our guest was Dr. Mark Stoutenberg, chair of the Department of Kinesiology at Temple University. What's kinesiology? He said it's an umbrella term with many sub-disciplines. Exercise science, exercise physiology, sports performance, all things that involve physical activity. 
physical inactivity is prevalent and associated with poor health outcomes and in some, a shorter lifespan. Worldwide, about one in four adults is physically inactive. Numbers are growing, especially in more developed countries. Aside from lack of regular exercise, we see more sedentary behaviors, watching TV, time at the computer, and with COVID, more Zoom meetings. He emphasized the distinction between physical activity and exercise. Going to a gym or making time for running isn't for everybody. People in public health use the term physical activity, just being active, like a five-minute walk around your office every hour. Walk to the grocery store. It takes intentional effort on our part to structure activity into our daily routine. Use headphones with your cell phone to do a Zoom meeting. Find a type of physical activity that brings you joy, then you'll stick to it, like being active with your children or grandchildren, gardening. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services guidelines recommend 150 minutes a week of moderate to vigorous activity. That's a brisk walk, which seems daunting, but that's only 22 minutes a day, or take a 30-minute walk five days a week. Start gradually. If you're sedentary, start with five minutes a day, then twice a day. There's 70 minutes a week. You're already halfway there. Add a little more time each week and find a walking buddy. It helps you stay committed and it's more fun. A more formal exercise program should include a blend of aerobic exercise, strength training, balance and mobility, or stretching exercises. If you already have symptoms or develop symptoms of chest pain, shortness of breath, sweating with exertion, see your doctor before you become more active or begin an exercise program. Hear the entire show on YourRadioDoctor.com. Your Radio Doctor is moving to a new day at a new time, Saturday evenings at 5 o'clock here on WPHT. Come with the team of Your Radio Doctor and listen every Saturday evening at 5 o'clock. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hi, and welcome back. I'm speaking with Jennifer Ernst, the CEO of Tivic Health, uh, co-founder as well. And I wanted to give Jennifer the opportunity in these last few minutes that we have to tell us exactly uh, what this product is that's helping in the sinus, um, for sinus sufferers, I'll say. And tell us a little bit about neuromodulation and that industry and how it is actually been around for a while, but new to, new to the public. Yeah, well, let me let me actually start with that last piece of it. So we're we're in a field. Civic Health is in a field called bioelectronic medicine, and the fundamental is that we are using electronics or electrical signals as medicine. The same way you would use a drug or a compound, we're using electrical signals to tune the body's functions. So think of it this way: the body is an electrochemical system. Nerves and the nerve system are basically the internet or this information superhighway of the body. They carry all the signals back and forth between the brain, the organs, the cells, everything, all the communication in the body pretty much happens across the nervous system. So the nerves are both wires and they're communication vehicles. By stimulating certain kinds of signals into the nerve system, we can control biological functions. Now, this is not a completely new concept. Take a pacemaker. Pacemakers have been around since the 1960s. They use a certain amount of current and a certain amount of force of electrons aimed at the heart tissue. The nerves of the heart, you they activate the nerves that convulse muscles. So your muscle pulses, and that's basically how a pacemaker works, is by triggering the nerves that trigger the muscles. And 
that muscular response is the first thing people explored in electronic medicine. The next generation looked at more subtle intervention on signal pathways. So things like spinal implants, there are now deep brain stimulators that you put deep inside the skull to handle Parkinson's. Um, those, back when I was 20 years ago, when I when I was at Park, um, those were new to the field. I got to see one of the earliest open brain surgeries doing deep brain implants. Now they're very commonplace for treatment of Parkinson's. Um, things, technologies like this are available for epilepsy, for back, for back injuries, for back pain, for incontinence. Um, so implanted technology is very pervasive today in the options, even if people aren't that familiar with them. So that's one of the most frustrating pieces is that the medical community isn't as familiar with all of these new, newer areas, even if they've been around for one or two decades. Mm. Now, what TIVIC has done is showing that we can get that same kind of physiological response without having to use an implant. Our first target is going after sinus inflammation. So inflammation is one of these areas that is very responsive to the immune system, to the nervous system, and where we can intervene with electrical signals in the responses of the immune system. Allergies are an immune response. The cold, a common cold is an immune response. One of the responses is inflammation of the sinus tissue, and it becomes, in many cases, chronic. It becomes pervasive. It doesn't serve any function after the first response. Um, and it is just basically a huge quality of life issue for uh, for pain-related, related to allergies. It's about 50 million. For people wow. who experience, you know, common cold, it's 200 million people in the U.S. every year. Wow. So it's one of the most pervasive chronic conditions is this inflammation of the sinus passages. And we're using a handheld device that is the tip of which you use along your cheek, your nose, your brow bone area. Um, very simple instructions to glide it and how, it, how it's using a very specific signal that you don't even have to think about. But that signal um, is targeting the, the swelling of the sinus tissues, and it has been FDA cleared for relief of sinus pain from allergies and relief of congestion basically from any cause. Um, and we also do have our international clearances for it. So it's been, our products have been subjected to rigorous testing under FDA standards and under international standards. I would think that it would be, and maybe <clears throat> one of the down the roads, um, effective for pain, because when you think of pain, it's all about the nerves and nerve pain is so incredibly difficult to treat. You know, people who have different types of conditions and it's it's related to the nervous system can't seem to get any relief. Is that something you see it being effective for? Absolutely. And in fact, that is um, fundamentally what's underlying our, our technology in terms of the sinus passages. It's a very targeted, very localized type of therapy administered across the nerves and blood vessels. Um, there are opioid, opioid um, opportunities for opioid reduction, for um, addiction treatments. There are, uh, pain is one of the largest fields where this is being applied today, where neuromodulation and non-invasive stimulation is being applied. But it really is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, from, for us, this electronic industry electronic medicine is now tuning the signals of the body and the cellular responses, even in finer grained ways than most pharmaceutical products can. So we are at the very, very, very nascent stage, the very earliest stage mm -hmm. of an industry that will be as big as the pharmaceutical industry in the coming decades. Wow. It's, it's exciting. Um, one of the things I read about you is that you're um, typically very milestone focused 
And I wanted to ask you, um, especially as a co-founder, you know, startups and in a competitive field, how do you approach the fear that comes with, am I going to reach that milestone? Is this going to work? What is your mantra, you know, for, for moving through that fear? Just do it. <laughs> it's not easy. No, I mean, you, you, you just, uh, I mean, you set, you set your goal on it and you just, you ignore the fear and you just get it done. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's an excellent reminder, right? Because if you're, the fear sometimes keeps you, keeps you stuck. And that's what I think a lot of entrepreneurs suffer from. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the one word for the entrepreneurs is that there are there are many battles to fight every day. Just worry about the ones you can fight now. Don't you you can't you can't get yourself obsessed about what the fifty things coming down the road are going to be because they're going to be there soon enough for you to deal with and focus on the things you need to get done yeah. now uh, and and fight the battles that are yours to fight today. Let the let the other ones come your way when they do, and they will, right? And and the past they, they'll, they'll get there soon enough. You yeah. don't need to worry about them. Yeah, and listen, <laughs> I I'm so proud of all of us for you know if if any of us are still here after the past two years, we should be very proud of ourselves, right? For still yep. getting up and going to work. Yep, we're still standing. <laughs> it's not a great time to start a company, but we're still standing. Right, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking time um, to talk with me today. It's a really interesting work that you're thank doing you. and, and your life story is full of good lessons and inspiration. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Mary Dempsey, the president of DePaul High School in Chicago. Have a great week, everyone, and stay well. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.